right, good morning, everybody. Come on, aren't you glad to be at church today? Man, I'm so glad you guys are here. Oh, it's Christmas season. It's gloomy and kind of wet outside. Come on, it just feels like it's like winter's here, except it's 80 degrees outside, like every day. You know, uh, Man, I'm so honored you guys are here. We're in week two of a series we've called Behold. Um, such a fun time. I love Christmas season. Come on, we got to take a survey. Whose favorite season is Christmas, Christmas, Christmas? Thanksgiving, we got some Thanksgiving. Who's that? Supple, y'all. Y'all, y'all are mad at everybody by the time this gets here because everybody skips it. Um, uh, what about Halloween? Halloween, Halloween? Some of y'all, some of y'all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> somebody come. Somebody over here. Boo. <laughs> I did not do that for that to happen. I respect your decision of, of, of Halloween. Hey, pull out your notes today. We're continuing week two of a series we've called Behold. I love uh, our theme verse, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Welcome to all of those online. We're so honored that you're here with us today. Uh, we'll read it together. Look, it says, Therefore, because of this, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call him Emmanuel, God with us. I love Christmas season, but let's be honest, as a pastor, Christmas season's kind of difficult for us, right? Christmas and, and Easter, really difficult for pastors, because I've been doing this a long time, uh, been, been preaching a little over 20 years, and there's never been a time come Christmas, y'all didn't know what I was going to talk about. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you got to get real creative to creatively present the Christmas story every year, every single year. Like, if, I, if Christmas rolls around and I talk about anything except Christmas story, people are confused. You know, like, like, we want you to talk about the Christmas story. The truth is, we talk about the Christmas story all the time, right? It's the gospel to the earth. It's an incredible story. And, and last week, we talked about a gift to behold. A gift to behold. I love that word, behold. It's talked about it. It's in our theme verse. It's this implication that God doesn't want us to move past it. Like, don't hurry past it. Behold, Paul, stop, take a moment, look. I think the truth is, especially in our culture, 2022, especially in America, it is really easy for us to just glance and move on. See it and move on. We've, we've been there. We've done that. It's really easy every Christmas season, especially in the South and in the Bible Belt, for us to go, yeah, I've heard that story. Yep, heard that one. Yep, seen that one. And, and we, we almost lose the awe of the Christmas story, don't we? We almost lose the, the miraculous in the virgin birth. Wow, we've heard that. We've seen that. As if, as if it wasn't the greatest story ever told. The greatest thing that ever happened in the world. And it's really easy just to become accustomed, become accustomed to it. And the Bible reminds us, behold, I'm going to encourage you this month in our series today, don't just rush past. Maybe today could be a moment if you allow yourself to kind of sit in the miracle of Christmas. Last week we said what seems impossible to us is totally plausible to God. It's totally possible to Him. It's an easy thing for Him. The Bible says it. Is anything too hard for God? No. Nothing's impossible with Him. Today I want to talk to you about a truth to behold. A truth to behold. Christmas is a, a really big deal. We, we would all agree on that. And the truth is, the story of Christmas is packed full of like massive stories. 
It's really easy to make a big deal about the Christmas story, right? Like Gabriel visiting Mary. We talked about that last week. Behold, like it says, it says greetings, favored woman, like Gabriel visited her. It's a big deal. Angels, angels visiting the shepherds out in the field. It said they were visited and behold a host. Many say that that literally could have been thousands of angels, a choir of angels appearing to the shepherds in a field, shouting and and praising God. The shepherds visiting the, the, the manger and actually literally seeing what they were told by the angels. A star rising in the east supernaturally and these kings in the east, these wise men, well respected people dropping everything and going on what history tells us was most likely a three year journey. To find the Son of God. Like big time stories. Massive stories. It's exciting. It's joy filled. It's full of promise. Full of hope. But then there's this story tacked on the end of the Christmas narrative. That kind of reminds us that, that the truth of it all. The reality of it all is really not all in the glitter and bows. It's really not all in the fanfare and the, the, the explosion of the few months leading up to the Christmas story. A lot of fanfare those first nine months, right? Like lots of stuff going on. And then you have a story of a man named Simeon. This prophet, this guy that gets a word from God at some point in his life. And who lives his entire life in full expectation of God to do something that quite honestly all of Israel had forgotten about. The whole nation had kind of moved past this idea that God was ever going to actually do anything good with them. You see, the Bible reminds us that God had spoken through the prophets and even individually face-to-face with people for thousands of years. And that little section that you see, that little bitty section in your Bible that goes from the Old Testament to the New Testament, that blank section, represents 400 years of silence. 400 years of having not heard from God. 400 years of generation after generation telling stories of what happened years ago, but having never actually physically existed, uh, experienced it themselves. It could be really easy for a generation to feel that God had forgotten them. Wouldn't you agree? It'd be really easy for, for people to feel as if maybe God had gotten, had moved on. You see, they had stories, really the last little bit of stories that they had about their history was was captivity. Israel being destroyed and being taken into Babylon and and Israel finally coming back. But if you read the stories of the Old Testament, the the second temple that was rebuilt and the hope and the majesty of what God would continue to redo in the nation of Israel had largely been lost. The second temple was nowhere close to Solomon's temple. Like life as an Israelite was nowhere near what it was all those years before. And here they are now having been overtaken again by the Roman Empire. Nothing really extravagant, nothing exciting to write home about. Their life was just an existence. And then you've got this story about a man who got a word from God and knew no matter what that something miraculous was about to happen. It's the Christmas story. Simeon's story tacked on the end of this miraculous. And I want to talk to you today about some really profound truths That aren't mind-blowing. They aren't anything you haven't heard before. But I would submit to you that probably there are lots of people sitting in this room 
who have come to a place in your life where you finally feel as if maybe God's just forgotten me. Maybe I, I had all these dreams and hopes. Like everybody, all of us, right, as a child, all of us have great dreams and aspirations. You never ask a six-year-old what they want to be when they grow up and they say a failure. Right? I want to be a complete and utter failure. That's what my dream is. No! Like we all have dreams. What I believe are the hopes of God placed inside of us all. Everybody wants to be a hero. Everybody wants to be a world changer. Everybody wants to see God doing something incredible with their lives. And somewhere along the way, we lose sight of that. Somewhere along the, the way, the miraculous, the, the hopes, the dreams of what God could do gets muted in all of our lives. And we find ourselves in a place much like the nation of Israel in this moment, in the, whole, in the beginning of the Christmas story, where there really isn't much hope for God to actually do anything miraculous. Yeah, they've got stories and prophecies, but it's been 400 years, y'all. Yeah, I've got hopes and dreams, but maybe it's been 30 years. Yeah, I had all these dreams of what God would do with my marriage, but man, we're, we're on the rocks. It didn't make it. My career's fle- it, it's, it's down the tubes. The, the best I could hope for is kind of just to restore a little bit of what I thought God could do in my life. What if I told you today that, that none of that's true? That the same God that restored all of those things all throughout history could do it for you too. That if he did it for them, he could do it for us. That really that's the hope of the Christmas story. Restoration. Complete and total restoration. So I'm going to pray. We're going to dive into three truths that I believe could be life-changing for you in this season. All right, Father, we love you. We're thankful for your word. It's alive and breathing. It's for us. It, it is... Um, It's powerful. God, it's not just something. It's not just a book we're going to read today. But, Father, it's through your word that you challenge us, inspire us, and equip us for every good work. And I just believe there's some folks in here who have a good work yet to be done. And so, Father, I pray you equip them. Equip us all with your word today to live a life on purpose in a way that honors you. In Jesus' name. Come on, we all said it. Amen. All right, number one, you want to write these down, take some notes with us today. You're going to remember 80% of the things you write down, and I want you to remember the good stuff, okay? Number one, you need to know this. God has a plan. He's got a plan. I don't know, Brandon. Life's pretty messed up right now. Nope, he's got a plan. He's got a plan. I love the, I love the Christmas story, and I love this little bitty story tacked on the end of it in Luke chapter 2. It talks about Simeon. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. At, at what time? The birth of Jesus. He was a righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting on the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and he praised God saying, listen to this, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. Oh, I've seen all I need to see. The promise of God fulfilled. I've seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. He is the glory of your people, Israel. Now put yourself in his shoes just for a moment. Simeon was an old man. He lived his entire life looking for one promise from God. Somehow, all of those years go by, 
And he still stayed eager all of those years with zero sign of it actually happening. Could you do that? Come on, think about it right now. Some of us have got some things in our life. We've been praying for some family members. We've been praying for some things. We've been trusting and believing God for to do something, something in my life. And the truth is, for some of us, it's been a couple of weeks, and I'm discouraged. It's been a couple of months. I'm discouraged. It's just been maybe a couple of years, and I don't know if actually God's ever going to show up. I'm discouraged. But here he is, his whole life, he's lived with this word from God. And I love that it said he eagerly waited week in, week out, day in, day out. The years would pass, the seasons would pass. And he had this eager expectation that somehow God was going to show up. He had this knowledge deep inside that if it's God today, it's God tomorrow. I just trust that God's going to do what he said he was going to do. And I guess he had this consolation, that he believed God so much that he knew God had told him, I'm not going to see death until this comes, so I'm going to be a pretty old man, I guess. He trusted God. He believed that God wasn't a man that he should lie. That if you're breathing, God has a pretty spectacular plan in place. He trusted it. Why? How? Hey, y'all, it had been 400 years since anybody had actually heard the voice of God. And then all of a sudden, here he is, and he's speaking, and somehow this man believed him. God's got a plan. Now, that can be really hard to, to believe when you're caught in the grip of addiction, can it? And you've tried, and you've tried, and you've climbed the mountain, and you've seen some success only to, only to slip and fall. That can be really hard to believe when you've been praying for a loved one, a family member, a brother, a sister, a spouse, a husband, a wife, a kid. And you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed for God to show himself to them. And for whatever reason, he hasn't. For whatever reason, things just didn't turn out the way you thought. God, if you really are what I believe you are, and if you really are who I believe you are, how come they don't see you like I see you? How come things aren't working out the way I knew in my heart they would work out? It can be discouraging, can it? 400 years of silence? Come on, I've, 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 felt, I've felt as if God was non-existent before in my life. And I can tell you, it didn't take 400 years for me to feel that way. There had to be some discouragement. But here is this man who recognized in a moment that God had a plan. Maybe you're swimming in the consequences of bad decisions and you think, there's no way I can overcome this. You see, there's a way that, that there's a reason why this man somehow was eagerly waiting the purpose and plan for God to, be, to come to pass. He knew he'd gotten a word from God. Seven years ago, we had been praying for a long, we've been praying for years to be able to have another child. And for whatever reason, it was not, it was not going as planned. We've been trying for a couple of years, and you know our story, many of you do, and you know the Matthews story, Brandon and Jen, that they had prayed, and they had gone through in vitro fertilization, and they had had failures, and they really didn't know, really it was a season of us crying out to God. God, we feel as if this was a word from you. Why isn't it actually working out? And I'll never forget um, that my wife came to me one day, and really it was a, an answered prayer 
she was pregnant. Except that was roughly around the time that the Matthews had been going through in vitro and they, they had three attempts and their second attempt was a failure. Didn't work. Didn't take. They had one more left. And I'm going to be honest, if you, if you sat in rooms with us and, and, and if you, were, you had experienced the same thing that we had experienced, there wasn't a whole lot of hope for that try number three. Anybody been there before? Anybody been there where you've been asking God and, and things just didn't seem to be working out and every single time that you mustered up enough faith for something to work and then it didn't, it just takes a little bit more out of you, doesn't it? It takes a little bit more and just rips it out and it just leaves another gap in your heart and that, that hope that you had in a moment that God would do something and just, come on, we're all human, let's be honest, it takes a little bit more hope out. That one conversation you've had with your spouse in hopes that maybe this would be the time that God would do something in their life and they didn't. That time that you asked, that you just knew this was going to be the time that something would happen in this moment and it didn't. And so here we are pregnant with our second child and my wife comes to me and she says, I had a dream and I need you to know the Lord has told me we can't tell anybody until the Matthews are pregnant. And I was like, well, sweetheart, um, okay, Lord, I'm not putting you on a timeline, but she's going to start showing any, any, you know, any, any week now. And how are we going to keep this hidden? You know what I mean? But where, where, where most people in that season of our lives, all of our sphere of influence, people close to us, where there was a, where there was a moment in which we thought, we've got one more try. They've got one more shot all that we can try. Both, try, both the first two temps were over. Uh, there's not a lot of hope that this third temp's going to work out. Daniel Doss could eagerly wait the Messiah. Like she'd gotten a word from God. There was a moment in which where everybody else was nervous, she was like, all I know is I'm going to start showing in about six weeks, so something's going to happen between now and then. I can't say anything until that moment. The Lord has given me that truth. I can't do anything. So I know I'm eagerly awaiting the purpose and plan of God. She knew God had a plan. And wouldn't you know it? I'm telling you, it's the I'm, I'm only God, right? Only God. I remember just a few weeks ago, uh, history popped up on Instagram. And it was them, it was her and Jen in a picture announcing uh, the, their pregnancies to the world. And it was a moment that all of us that were praying, all of us that were close to us, could celebrate the goodness of God, this miraculous moment, this thing that God did and that nobody could have planned themselves. I want to tell you that no matter what you're walking through today, you may not see it or feel it or know it, but God has a plan. It's for your good and for His glory. It's, it's for the good of your, your brother and your sister, and it's for his glory. There is times when maybe there's no hope of anything actually good coming out of it, but I'm telling you, God's got a plan. And, and someday, one day, it's going to blow your mind when actually something does come about. And you were able to look back and go, listen, I'm going to tell you, it don't take everybody. I believe, I believe most of the nation of Israel had forgotten about this promise of God. But there was a man who trusted and waited eagerly on the plan and purpose of God. Not just for him, but for an entire nation. And he realized it and recognized it in a moment. And he said, hey, I can die a happy man. Maybe you want to answer that question for yourself. What's going on in your life right now?
that when God actually shows up and when God actually moves, you can literally say, oh man, I can die happy now. Don't give up on that dream. Maybe you had some one of those at some point in your life. Don't give up on that hope. Don't give up on the salvation of your family. Don't give up on the salvation of your spouse. Don't give up on the thing that you know, that you know, that you know is a plan of God. And even though it doesn't seem to be working out, he is. Even when you can't see it, he's got a plan. It's for your good and for his glory. Number two, this is another truth, and I know it's hard to accept, but life will be painful. It's going to be. Not might be, maybe. No, no, no. It will be. This is the dedication of Jesus, all of the fanfare, all of the exciting things. The birth of Jesus comes eight days after his birth, and all the angels and everybody coming, they go to the temple, and it says, and they they present him to the Lord as the law required. And listen to what it says. Then Simeon blessed them. He blessed them. And then he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall. Oh, that's an encouraging dedication day. Many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. He's literally prophesying to his mother at his dedication that she will witness his son be murdered. Now think about this. We're we're dedicating babies in Columbiana right now, today, this morning. We dedicated some babies. And just think about the dedication of your baby. And you stand up and they go, congratulations, he's beautiful. Oh, but life's going to (laughs) stink. It's not going to be good. He's going to be all kinds. He's going to cause all kinds of trouble. He's going to make everybody mad. Nobody's really going to like him. And this is going to get to the point at some point where they don't like him enough that they're going to murder him in front of you. It's not really great, is it? Come on, life will be hard. Absolutely will have pain. Man, Brandon, you need to be more positive. I'm positive. Life's going to be hard. <laughs> really hard. Really difficult. If you've lived on this earth any length of time, if you've been around the block a couple of times, you know, right? It's hard. It's not easy. Jesus reminded us that in John chapter 16, verse 33. You want to write that reference down in your notes. It's not in your notes. He said this, I'm telling you all this ahead of time so that when it is happening, you won't lose hope. So that when your spouse does lose faith, you don't give up. So that when, no matter how hard you try, your brother, your sister walk away from the faith or they live a life contrary to the truth of God's word and you go, is anything ever going to happen for them to know Jesus? When your kids rebel, when life gets hard, you won't quit. I'm telling you, in this life, you will have trouble. Everybody say will. One, two, three. It's going to happen. You're going to have trouble. It's going to be hard. Somebody's going to get sick. Somebody's going to walk away from the Lord. Life is going to be difficult. Somebody, you're going to get a bad doctor's report. Somebody, like, things are going to happen. But I don't want you to lose heart. Take heart because I've overcome the world. Take heart because even though it gets hard, I'm working it out for your good and for my glory. 
Life's going to be difficult. If it was ever, if it was difficult for the Son of God, you know, the one whose voice created the heavens and the earth, if it was difficult for him, I'm telling you, it's going to be hard. We don't have it all figured out. If in this life you are surprised when things get hard, that's not God's fault. He told you it would happen. He told me it would happen. Like it's going to be hard. That's why he said there's so much value in community. That's why he said to confess your sins to one another, pray for one another so you can be healed. That's why he said don't do life alone. Do it with others. That's why he said it's going to be hard. I'm going to give you a little heads up. It's not just going to be easy. You're going to stink at this thing from the beginning. at the beginning. It's going to be hard. Life will be painful. I can imagine that Mary, at the dedication of her son, having experienced all of this fanfare, right? All of this exciting news. All of these people worshiping her baby at his birth. Angels visiting and all of the stuff. And then Simeon comes into town and just balances the scale a little bit, doesn't he? Life will be painful. Last one I'll share with you, though, is number three, is we have a purpose. There's pain in the purpose. I mean, there's purpose in the pain. There's purpose in your struggle. It's going to be difficult. Life's going to be hard. But there's purpose in it. Luke chapter 2 goes on to talk about it. And when Jesus' parents had fulfilled all of the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee, and there the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. Think about that for a second. All of the fanfare. Remember, we discussed it. Like, it had to have been a whirlwind nine months leading up to this moment. Had to have been, right? Like, remember all the exciting things that we talked about. Remember all of the things at the beginning of the message that we mentioned. The angels, the virgin birth, the distant kings beginning their journey to see the king of the universe, the savior of the world. All of that stuff only just to return home in Nazareth and live your life. Doesn't sound miraculous, does it? Let's put that in perspective. Nazareth was a town of 400 people in Jesus' day. 400, y'all. 400 people. History tells us there most likely was not even a source of water within like a two-hour walking distance of this town. Like they went back to town and just lived their life for 30 years. The purpose of the Son of God was to bloom where He was planted for 30 years. Why are we talking about that? What's the purpose behind all of this well it's really easy to look at the the Christmas story and go yeah but that was so awesome but y'all the son of God went through all of that and literally went home to nobody thinking anything good was ever going to happen nothing good comes out of Nazareth that was said in the gospels Nazareth what good can come out of there like there was stories told of the virgin birth and for the next 30 years the mundane the day in The day out, the get up, go to work, come home, learn a trade, figure out how to walk in obedience to my mom and my dad. Parents discipling him, training him, growing him. He was just a normal person for 30 years. 
for 30 years. Maybe you're here today and you go, yeah, I, can, I can't even relate to the Christmas story. This purpose and plan that God had, can I tell you, you can relate. It's the mundane. It's the day in and the day out. It's the getting up and doing life and trusting God that He has a purpose. Maybe you, like Mary, maybe the greatest impact you'll have in this world is not something you do, but somebody you raise. Maybe, if anybody could have seemingly been a little discouraged, don't you think it could have been her? Greetings, favored woman. You're birthing the Son of God. He's going to change the world. And for 30 years, nothing. For 30 years. Oh, he's, he's, oh he can build some chairs. He's a carpenter. That's what he's going to do with his life. Hey, I was conceived of the Holy Spirit, Jesus. You may not remember this. You were young, but it was a virgin birth. There were angels. What are you doing with your life? 30 years. Oh, he's just going to be a carpenter? But God was busy. God was growing him. In those 30 years, in the mundane, in the day in and day out, the Bible reminds us that he grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and with man. He was able to change the world in three years because of all of this boring preparation for 30 years. Maybe God, in your moment of frustration in this Christmas season, this lack of understanding of what's going on, and maybe He's maturing you a little bit through the difficulties. Maybe He's adding a little wisdom in your pocket for the times ahead. Maybe, just maybe, God is working it out for your good and for His glory. Maybe He's asking you to stop, slow down, and behold the miracle in the mundane. Maybe this week, this month, the rest of this year, you'll stop thinking there's nothing really significant going on in this week, this, this month. This. Maybe it's all of that is significance. Hey, I want to pray with you. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? So our band's going to come. They're going to play some music. Maybe you're here and you're leaving an incredible legacy in the mundane. Maybe it's your commitment. Maybe it's your consistency. Maybe it's you showing up when nobody else shows up, even when nobody notices. Maybe it's you and your family who's the silent witness of authentic, true faith to people in your family who otherwise would never see the gospel authentically and truly. And you don't know if that's ever actually going to make a difference. What if it does? What if it is? That's the hope of the gospel. Maybe like you, like Simeon, you can eagerly await for God to do what he's always promised he could do. I don't think anyone on earth could have felt more discouraged than Mary after the birth of Jesus. All of that fanfare, all of those promises. And then we just go back to Nazareth. She eagerly awaited the purpose and plan of God. Maybe that's you today. Maybe it begins with a relationship with Jesus. Maybe your faith, if you're really honest with yourself right now, if you're taking an assessment of your life, you would say, I don't even know if I actually have a relationship with Jesus. My life doesn't prove that. There's no fruit in my life. There's no prayer life. There's no moment in my relationship with Him on a consistent basis. Maybe you would begin a new relationship with Him. 
The truth is, he could eagerly await because he had an authentic relationship with God. You would simply say, Father, forgive me of my sin. I'm so sorry I've done it in my own strength and my own ability. I'm so sorry that I haven't trusted fully the salvation of Jesus. But today I believe with all of my heart that he came born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on a cross, and came back to life for me. Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. From this day forward, I'm going to follow you as my Lord. And maybe you're here today, and the truth is you've just been really struggling in this waiting season. Maybe you feel a little bit like Mary who had all of these hopes and dreams, and you go back to this little town of Nazareth, and I'm just living my life. I'm working my job. I'm loving my family the best I can. I'm doing my best to be a witness to my brothers, my sisters, my family, my my spouse, my kids. But it seems like the the more I try, the more resentment I get. It seems like the more I, I, I hope and the more I try to be an example, try to be a witness, the more kickback I get from them. Maybe in this season of discouragement, you'll just begin to eagerly await the presence and the power and the purpose of God to reveal himself. And like he promised, he will. So if it's God today, it's God tomorrow. God, I'm giving you all the honor for it. And so, Father, today we give you all of the praise. God, I pray for every person eagerly awaiting right now a move of God in their life. God, every person in this moment, in this house, under the sound of my voice online, God, who had a dream, who had a hope, who had family that they need to know you, and we know that time is just ticking. Life is so thin, and we don't know what tomorrow holds. But, Father, we have this hope that they'll know you, Jesus, and the power of your resurrection. God, I pray that like Simeon, we can eagerly await the power and the presence of God, the promise of God in our life. We trust that you've got a plan, and we trust that we have a purpose. And so, God, we pray that you would get all of the honor from this day forward. We're not going to walk in discouragement. We're we're not going to walk in darkness. But just like the world has seen a great light, God, whatever comes... God, we trust that you're working it out for our good and for your glory. Oh, that you'll get all the honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Can you honor him today? Come on, he's worthy.